0: It's fun teaching new songs with familiar tunes. I don't know how many of you have ever sang that, that hymn before. But it's been a long and strange journey, hasn't it, these last six weeks or so? If not for us, at least it's been a long and strange journey for those apostles and Jesus. Because it all started when Jesus chose them. He chose them to follow him, to, to follow where he went, to, to leave their jobs and, and their families, and to learn from him, to trust him, and to believe in him. And along the way, those disciples saw Jesus change water into wine. They saw him feed over 5,000 men, not including the women and children, not once, but twice. Twice. They saw him walk on water and calm the stormy seas. They witnessed Jesus cast out demons, heal the stick, restore sight to the blind, and even raise the dead. And that's not all. He was nice and polite and kind and caring to tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners. And he spoke with authority against those Pharisees, and he wasn't afraid to take on any religious leaders, but always speaking in truth and love. He then also washed the disciples' feet. That's that's right. Jesus washed those stinky disciples' feet, teaching them that as his disciples, now they're to go and do the same thing. They, as believers, as followers of him, are to love and to serve one another. To love and serve others above themselves. Every day he modeled love, sal- self sacrificial love. And they didn't know it at the time, but that sacrificial love came out in abundance as they saw him arrested. And as they they fled, they heard that he was brutally nailed to a tree. And this after receiving a whipping that would kill most people. And upon that tree, Jesus spoke words of love and forgiveness. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then Jesus breathed his last breath and he gave up his life. He died. His dead, limp body, that had a hole in its side from where the soldiers pierced his skin, was taken off the cross and laid in a tomb. A tomb that was sealed, not only by a mighty rock blocking the entrance, but with an important seal that stated no one can and no one should touch this. And Jesus didn't need to touch it, right? He walked right out. That's right. By the third day, when the tomb had been opened, the stone had been rolled back, Jesus was gone because he was no longer dead but he was alive because Jesus is risen. Not bad, it's still the seventh Sunday of Easter, that's pretty good. And because Jesus was risen and because Jesus was alive, it wasn't that long after that he started to appear to his disciples both men and women alike. In the garden, he said Mary's name. On the road to Emmaus, he talked to some of the disciples. He showed up in a locked room to see the apostles who were behind these closed doors, scared for their lives, not once, but twice. He made his way to a beach to prepare a nice meal for those friends of his who were out fishing all night long to provide for their needs and and to spend time with them again. And then he looked at Simon Peter three times and asked the same question. Do you love me? And then he said, follow me. Follow me, Simon Peter, and don't worry about them. Don't worry about What's to come to John? And now one final time, Luke tells us at the end of his gospel that Jesus appears to his apostles and he leads them to Bethany where he blesses them and speaks some very important words to them before he ascends. And where the risen Jesus' journey is about to end for a time, the apostles' journey will continue on. And their journey will be passed on to people like you and me until Jesus resumes his journey on that day when he will come back to earth again. So with all that being said, with all that being rehashed, I invite you to look with me in the book of Acts today. Acts chapter 1. Now, Acts chapter 1, this is the second book written by the good Dr. Luke. And there in verse 3, it says what we've been talking about these last few weeks, that Jesus presented himself many times to the apostles, to the disciples, and he ordered them to not depart from Jerusalem until they receive the promise of the Father. And when they receive the promise of the Father, they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not too many days later. And you'll get into that next week. So we're not going to talk too much about that. But what we're going to do is we're going to drop down a little bit further and look at verse 6. When you look at verse 6, you see that all the apostles have come together at Mount Olive. How do we know it's Mount Olive? Just read a few verses more. Verse 12, and you'll see that that's where Jesus brought them. And as they're gathered there together at Mount Olive, they have this very pressing question to ask Jesus. They say, so, Lord, is the time now? Has it finally Come time for you to free us, to free Israel, and to restore the kingdom? After seeing all that Jesus had done, after witnessing all the miracles, and, and rising from the dead, and talking to them for the past 40 days, all they still could think about is, are you now going to restore this kingdom here on earth? And look at Jesus' answer, his response there in verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. So basically he's saying, don't worry about it. You may want this, or or you may want something different to come about, but you can't change God's timetable. Right? So that's good for us to hear. So whether we're talking about events worldwide, in this nation, or in our personal lives, wherever we want change in our lives that that God hasn't made yet, don't become impatient. Instead, trust. Who? God. Not the nation, not the world leaders, not yourselves. Trust God. Trust His timetable, not yours. He knows everything, He knows the stuff that's going on right now, everywhere. Trust God and His timetable, not yours. So, Jesus gave this quick reminder to the apostles not to worry about that. And that was a perfect segue into his more important statement. Look at this. Look at at Jesus' most important statement here. He says, don't worry about the times or seasons. The, The Father has fixed all that on his own. But you... But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Did your ears perk up at all when you you, you heard you'll receive power. Maybe my family's did. We just went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy yesterday. I bet it did for the apostles, right? He said, don't worry, and, but you'll receive power. So, so now they go from hearing about don't worry about that to hearing that, that you're going to receive this power, this superhuman power, this superhuman strength When the Holy Spirit comes upon you in just a few days. Those apostles in a few days will receive this superhuman strength when they're bathed in the Holy Spirit. So, so friends, those Marvel movies, those DC comics, those Incredibles, they got nothing on the power that the disciples received, they've got nothing on the power that you have received. Did you know this? Thank you, Anders. High five. I know I'm going to get it from you. One person knew it, and he is so proud of it. I baptized that little boy. I saw that Holy Spirit come into him, and you know you have the power. Yes. If only... We all had the strength and the power to be, yes, like one-year-old, yes, one-year, two-year-old now, Anders. So what superhuman strength did we receive? Courage and boldness, confidence, insight, ability, and authority. Why did why did the apostles need that superhuman strength? Well verse 8 tells us. It says you, right? Jesus says, "You apostles, you will be my witnesses." It's not optional. He doesn't say, "Well, if you want to or if you feel up to it." He says, "You will be my witnesses." telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, all the way to the ends of the earth. He blessed them. tells us that. Luke tells us that in his first book. And and then he he begins to float away. (laughs) He he, he ascends into into heaven. He's carried up, up, up up and away to take his seat on the throne at the father's right hand until the father says what it's time because who knows only the father knows when it's time for him to come back again and as i studied that this week i really love how how it all played out here because once again With Jesus ascending after he blesses them and tells them this, there's no chance for the apostles to ask any more questions. There's no chance for them to to say, but Jesus. He just tells them, here's what's going to happen. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You then will have superhuman strength that you need because you will go everywhere telling people about me. He mic drops and he exits stage up. Yes. And what do those apostles do? They just gaze upwards, right? And, and while they're 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 looking up, two dudes, two men show up dressed in white robes, angels, and they come near and say, "Hey men of Galilee, what are you doing?" What are you doing staring into heaven? Jesus will, will come again the same way that you saw him going to heaven. And now, here, at this moment, they rejoice. In Luke's first book, in his gospel, in 24, verse 52, I think it's the very last verse, it says, they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They see it, they know it, they believe it. The divinity of Jesus, true God and true man, Messiah, Savior of the world, is there. And now he's there, and now we're here, and now we're going to go out there. They worshipped him, and this is important for us to note. They worshipped him on the way back and in the temple, as it says there in Luke 24. They were not freaked out. They were not scared. They were not confused. They worshipped and blessed God with great what? Joy. With great joy. There we go. We'll get there someday. It's fun when I can play with you guys. And we should be doing the same, right? It's important for us to worship Jesus, yes? yes. To be filled with joy, yes? Right, for for who he is and and, and what he's done for us. And, And the more that we learn about Jesus, the more that we're in the scriptures, the more our hearts can discover the same joy. It's awesome and it's good and it's important. But then what? Is that it? Do we just worship him? Do the apostles just worship him? No. We go, and the apostles didn't just worship. If you look at Acts, if you look at Luke's writing there in Acts, you notice he doesn't even say anything here about them worshiping. He says it back in his book, Luke, but here he doesn't even talk about them worshiping. He says they returned back to Jerusalem and started planning. They started planning by waiting for the Holy Spirit, and they started planning by praying. What were they planning? What were they praying into while they waited to be given this superhuman strength of of courage and boldness and confidence and insight, ability and authority? What they were doing is they were using the vision and assignment that was given to them by Jesus. Jesus. And planning and praying how to carry it out. Because here's the thing. Vision without action amounts to only so much daydreaming. Action without vision will produce only random results. There in Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus gave his followers a vision and a specific assignment. Listen to it again. Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. A vision and an assignment. So, from this, what did the disciples do? They planned. They said, Thomas, you're going to go this way, and John, you're going to go over here, and and Peter, James, and Matthew, you're going to go this way, this way, and this way. Get it? They didn't just worship Jesus. They did that. But then they prayed, and they planned how to best carry out the vision and specific assignment that Jesus had given them. After the Holy Spirit filled them up. So how did the good news get to you? How did the good news of Jesus get to you? If you could trace it all the way back, I bet you would find out that one of those apostles told somebody who was somewhere in your line about Jesus. How did the good news of Jesus get to you? It's because the apostles, they went out with courage and boldness and confidence, insight, ability, and authority in the name of Jesus, teaching and loving the way that Jesus did. They followed his vision. They completed their assignments. Across every corner of this world, Followers of Jesus fill the earth with good news, with the good news that Jesus was born to die and rise again to save us, and that he ascended, yes, but guess what? He is coming back again. And here's the thing. You're part of the team. Congratulations. The same spirit that filled up the apostles with superhuman strength fills you, too. Whether you act on it or not, the commission that they received from Jesus has been passed down to whom? You and me. Yeah. So we worship Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. We praise Jesus. Yeah. We filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. Now we go. Yes. For the church to survive... We all have to go. It's not the pastor. It's not the pastor's vision. This is God's vision. This is God's assignment given to you. You who have superhuman strength. Our vision comes from God and and from His Word. Our, Our vision is His vision covered in prayer. And thought. And through planning, it's carried out to the best of our ability. As together the church moves forward. With one vision, one mission, one commission. To be his witnesses. And here at this church, where does that take us? To the campus, the community, the country, and the continents. I know it's hard. But guys, you've got so much superhuman strength inside you. And Satan's doing everything to keep that down inside you. And I've seen you grow, so I want to thank you. I'm going to echo Paul's words to Ephesians today. I want to say thank you for the growth and the work that has come in the last almost eight years here. Paul says this, Because I have heard of your faith in Jesus, and I have seen of your love toward God grow all each and every day. I do not stop giving thanks for you. Daily remembering you in my prayers, daily I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened they may be enlightened in, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance that he's given to you and for his incomparably great power that fills you up to be known and to shown to, to to not only those people here, but to all others throughout all your days. Because friends, no matter what happens in the days ahead, together as the church marches forward, awaiting the ascended Jesus to return again, I pray that you seize the day That you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and join us and those who have gone before fulfilling the mission and commission and vision of Christ to be his witnesses, starting right there in your neighborhood and then to the city and then to the state and then to the country. And to the continents, all the way to the very ends of the earth. My friends, Jesus is coming, and he is coming soon. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.